Hello and welcome to another episode of Mishra's Bubble. My name is Francisco and alongside my wonderful co-hosts, we welcome you to another episode. To my virtual right, Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? That's that's what I want to hear. And to my left, we had Spider Space. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not going with great, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you've been following uh, the, the latest episode of Mishra's Bubble, you will know that Evan thinks that modern sucks, that everything that he wants uh, to do in the format is impossible, everything is garbage, and the future is ruined. Is that true, Evan? No, I love it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've seen the light. Uh, I have just accepted. You know, okay, so what it came from was I, I was playing Legacy, I was playing the Legacy Delver deck where I'm playing with Monkey and Murktide, and it was like, well, I'm enjoying this so much. Maybe it's not Legacy that I'm necessarily enjoying. Maybe it's just this deck. And uh, fortunately, the modern deck is almost the exact same deck. <laughs> it's it's it shares so many cards. The Legacy version. So I uh, I've been playing that in modern and uh, winning a lot and having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and now I like modern again. <laughs> it's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah. It, it was as easy as just playing the broken deck all along. Huh? I just needed to stop trying to play Crypto Command. I accepted that like this is as close as I'm gonna get. Right. This is a deck where I get to play Counterspell. I get to play Archmage's Charm, and I get to play with a big old cool dragon. Merktide was a card I was really excited for out of this set, um, and I was just kind of. You know, I saw those aggressive one-drops and was like, ah, this is not the style of deck for me. But when you really think about it, they're one-drops that are providing card advantage and mana acceleration. And that kind of sounds like Uro. And it's just one mana instead of seven altogether. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the key is that they're one-drops that should have been three drops. Right. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. Uh, I get the better removals, but like really, you look at it, I'm playing the best counter spells. I'm playing efficient threats that are card advantage, mana acceleration. I'm playing the best uh, removal spells. Like it, it's perfect. Draw spells, everything. It's it's got cantrips. It's everything that I I want out of a deck, and it's it's been great. Man, I mean, I'm glad. Like the gameplay at the top level is is good and it's fun. I think I'm on. Not, I'm, I'm not at like the low, low. I think you were at a little lower point than I was. I was deep. I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I just want to play some Aether Vile decks, man. And it can't be done. It, it just cannot be done. Like between everybody being ready for Hammer, you got all your prismatic endings and everything. It's just like not an Aether Vile world. And so you're supposed to play Flicker stuff. And like Elementals is good. But I don't want to play Elementals. So it's like, you're not doing that. So I'm not, I've not been doing that. But I'm like starting to miss it. I'm like getting to that point where I'm like, all right, how do I make a bad creature deck that's not elementals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, and that's that is kind of where when that is kind of where I was at though, right? Was well, I, I really just want to play my Jace the Mind Sculptor, Teferi Hero of Dominaria deck. Like I don't I don't care too much what's around it. You just want to play Aetherfile decks and um You know, I, I had mentioned this earlier to you this week where I was like, well, I went from these control decks to playing this busted Murktide deck that is, if you, you know, 
stretch the, the, the mind a little bit is similar, right? It's kind of almost a control deck, kind of. Um, you know, the, the Aether Vial decks, I would say, the, the closest thing is the Hammer deck, right? It, it's, it's not at all the same thing. But. I know it's not. Just like Blue-Red Murktide is nothing like Blue-White Control, right? It's nothing like it, but it's like, this is the... This is the, this is what you got, right? That's that's really good and playing some similar cards. <laughs> so okay, here's here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm I guess I'm, I'm derailing us a little bit. I'm gonna talk a little bit about I've, I've been playing some Living End, right? And I got my back to back the second challenge in a week that I played where I got first in the Swiss and then lost in the top eight right away. So I got fifth place again. And this week I was playing uh, Living End. And I, I just basically, I took like Sodex list and I tweaked it a little bit. I added some things that the board I thought were better. I like put Gemstone Caverns in the deck because I love that card. I like legitimately think it's good, but also I love that card. You do um, like that card. And the deck, it's it's a very powerful deck. It's a good deck. Um, I, like the first league I played with it, 5-0, play the challenge, top eight. Um, and then I like... Oh, two dropped from mana traders with it and like one two dropped from the super with it and it, the thing is is like you know people want to hate you out they can hate you out i'm fine with that i can accept that there's an element of you play that deck you got to accept sometimes you're just going to draw all your living ends what i was not able to accept was people hitting me with ragavan as a pseudo lantern control where it was like i need to draw land three and they took land three off my deck three times in a row with ragavan <laughs> and then like the next game Ragavan exiled all three of my living ends. But they didn't know they were there, right? Like They didn't know. Okay. But boy did that tilt me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like, really? Like that's what's gonna happen here? And it was like both of my matches in the super, it was just my opponent had turn one Ragavan, and I just lost to it. And you know, that deck doesn't have a creature, it doesn't have removal that you play right away. So it kind of makes some sense. Um but uh woof. It's it's rough, and I think maybe the realization here is that like Living End is ultimately not the deck for me because some of those things just happen. Like if you think about it, Ragavan exiled all my Living Ends. If Ragavan hadn't done it, I would have drawn them. Mm-hmm. So well, it, I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> it, it's a little bit different, but similarly, like you know, it, it's a deck that is working on a very linear axis just like dredge or whatever when you sign up with one of those decks you're signing up to like well if somebody comes with the right hate and i cannot draw my answer it's over and that's a deck that then also has a fail rate of like on top of that you can draw your pieces that not like is also killing them yeah so it's like it's like doubly bad it's like with you know nahiri you got your emrakul but you might draw your emrakul the turn you're gonna do it that kind of thing it's just like all of the wrong things can all happen in this deck but what it's doing is still really powerful and that's why it's kind yeah, of no, worth doing it anyways i think it was a good choice for the weekend if i were to have done it again i would probably still play the deck i think it like was really good it was it was interesting because i thought for mana traders it was like oh like open deck list i'll know what hate to side in against because like you know they're gonna bring x piece of hate and i'll bring the hate for the hate what actually happened was well first i played against goblins and they just like sacked their board out and then I living end, and I'm like, ugh, <laughs> ugh, so die to your combo? <laughs> and then the next match, my opponent had main deck Chalice in Ponza, and they were like, oh, you're, you're Cascade, Mulligan, Mulligan, Mulligan. 
<laughs> I had um I had something similar happen because I, I was playing against Living End and I was playing this like super super janky Heliod combo deck that I had Ballista in play, but I had um like Ranger Captain in my graveyard. I had a Heliod in play and. I, it, look, it was a very janky build. It had, it had like Soul Sisters <laughs> things in it. But the point was, they went to Living End, and I ballisted down my own board, and then had everything a come back in, and like a billion triggers happened because there were Soul Sisters that came back, and Heliod was in play. So then they all became gigantic, and they passed the turn back. And I was like, all right, cool, kill you. <laughs> Thanks for the Living End. I it does I have that, say... that side of it about living end right now um it feels like the most inherently degenerate deck in the format um you just get to play all of these free spells and they're all great because you're like all right grief you and then you like living end and the grief comes back and it's just it's gross um and you get like sideboard force of vigor you could play i didn't but well i played some sideboard subtleties you can play sideboard subtleties you've got your like um main deck force of negation i put endurance in the sideboard by the way if you're not playing living end with endurance do it it is so good in that deck it is it like i don't understand why people aren't doing it like you might tell me oh they don't play enough green cards they're playing force of vigor in the sideboard already so if you're if you can justify you're playing force there you can justify playing endurance it's just that easy not only is it super good in the mirror it's also just good against decks that have creatures in it that are going to have a late game so you don't have to worry about those situations where you're living in is bringing your stuff back exactly it's uh i had a game where um i had living and i had to living end repeatedly and i had pitched one of them to grief or something and so it was like i needed to, to end again and i didn't have any more in my deck and i was like oh oh sweet just like grief you know or not grief endurance um, endurance to put back the living ends back into my deck and then cycle a bunch and then do it again and like that was really sweet it also made the okay the living end mirror is possibly the worst mirror period it's it's certainly (laughs) in the top two or three worst mirrors i have ever played it is so god-awful you're just like neither of you wants to living end because if you do it the opponent's gonna like cycle a bunch in response but then you like end up playing your like horrible like draft deck creatures because you want to force them to living end but if you tap out to do that then maybe they'll do it and you both have forces and it, it is it is terrible and i won all of my living end mirrors because i had endurance and my opponents didn't and so it'd be like all right end and then they'd be like cycle 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 haha and i'd be like endurance I win. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, we, can, we can stay on the topic of living in for a little bit here, but just a, a point that I know we're going to talk about at some point. Um, one of the strengths you said was, was that you get to play all these free spells. There's another deck in the format that's also playing all of these free spells. I don't know if we want to move on to that, but um, this Elementals deck, I've been playing. I have not played it yet myself. Um, they are also getting the same advantage, if not more. They're playing like all of the incarnation i think all of them except grief right because it's mainly a four color deck they're not really right. playing black i think um, it's a similar amount because so they're playing i mean i know Fury. they're playing the the white one the red one i haven't seen much of subtlety but i've seen the other three endurance fury and solitude yeah so it and plays the good the good incarnations sure. <laughs> and it leaves the bad one where it needs to be, which is in the garbage. i think i have and, uh, seen some subtlety 
Um, but so I, I actually you know, I've actually played a fair amount of this deck, um, and I was I was playing it like two or three weeks ago, maybe one of my one of the regulars in my in my stream loves the deck and is super into it, and we've been kind of like tinkering and messing around with with, with the list. Um, and yeah, we tried a bunch of different things. Uh, we tried playing, you know, of course, playing more lands. We tried playing subtleties in the main deck. We tried adding um, endurances, like more copies to the main deck. Like I was consistently very impressed by endurance and very disappointed with subtlety. So we just got to the point where you we just cut them all. <laughs> there are just no more subtleties. Uh, you're also playing a Flame King Harbinger, which is the one drop. It's a one mana, one one for one red mana. It's an elemental. When it comes into play, you can search your your deck for any elemental and you put it on top of your deck. So if you are playing against, you know, like Amulet or whatever, and I did play actually against Amulet, and you can just go ahead and you can just tutor for the subtlety. Um, and then you can use you're playing four copies of ephemerate so you can blink your own your own uh, tutor guy to you can you know get your solitude or get whatever you want very often what you do is uh, the play pattern that i saw all the time that was coming up is you turn one play this guy and then uh, you go with recent reef and recent reef is your engine like once you get recent reef going um, it, it's, it's what we talked about uh, about using these elemental incarnations, right? Like the elemental incarnations are bad on rate uh, unless you can find a way to, uh, to to undo the downside, yeah, to, to undo the two for one. And we have what Spider was saying, you know, you, you, you pitch to your Griff and then like you get it back with Living End or uh, with the Rhinos deck. The upside is that you don't care about the two for one because you're like making 10 power out of nowhere. So like, you know, you want the game to be over, so you don't you don't really care about the card advantage at all. Um, what this deck does is it uses recent reef to offset all of the card disadvantage, and then um, you you're, you kind of take it from there. So you can use like the tutor guy. I was so impressed by it because once you have a recent reef in play, you can uh, you can effectively tutor like it's just demonic tutor because you can stack the triggers however you want if you're looking for something specific to use right now you can stack the recent reef trigger last um actually first so it resolves last basically so you get to tutor and then you, you you get your thing and if you want to you know draw the card later or see what you get and then based on the card that you draw off the recent reef you can figure out what you're gonna need to to get with the with the tutor guy uh, you can you can do like those those cool uh, stack tricks in order to uh, to to make your draw uh, just always gas. And uh, what what Canister did, he was the one that actually has been working on on this deck list for a while now. And what he did is something that we we didn't really try. He actually won the modern challenge this past uh, Sunday. And what he did is uh, something that we actually discussed uh, on the stream, but we never really did, which is. What if instead of being an all-in elementals deck, all-in creature decks, you're just more of a just a normal deck that has these uh, these uh, elementals as the way that you're winning the game and as the engine that we're working with? So instead of using cards uh, like, uh, for example, in in the list that I, that I was playing, I was playing Voice of Resurgence, I was playing uh, Unsettled Mariner. Uh, these cards were actually a lot better than I expected them to be. Um, like I wasn't super disappointed by them, but they're they're not modern power level cards anymore. You know, 
uh, as much as Evan in particular, you know, just dies whenever an opponent resolves a voice of resurgence, uh, the average modern player doesn't really care at all. So uh, <laughs> because of that, what, uh, what Canister did is he cut those straight up, and what he did is he added three copies of Teferi, three copies of Ren, two Prismatic Ending, one Lightning Bolt. And another interesting innovation that he did is he added Utopia Sprawl. What Utopia Sprawl does, even though it's kind of like a weird... It's a weird ramp spell to use in a deck that is playing multiple Caverns of Souls, and it's playing Basic Planes, Sacred Foundry, Steam Vents, you know, like a bunch of non-forests. Uh, but this is the only ramp spell that you can... I mean, the only good ramp spell that you can play uh, that allows you to still play Kahira as your companion. Uh, because, obviously, I think that this deck would much rather have access to, like, a Birds of Paradise or something like that, but unfortunately, that's not really that's not really an option. Uh, however, it does work out in a way because, like, they, it's a lot harder to interact with Utopia Sprawl than it is to interact with, um, with, with the Birds of Paradise or something like that. Uh, but... You know, Prismatic Ending kind of gives you ways or whatnot. Um, but uh, the deck is, is really, really good. I, I think that... And I was very, very impressed. Uh, I recorded a league. This was like two weeks ago, maybe. And I was playing against the Rhinos decks. Uh, the Rhinos deck. And my opponent went turn three Rhinos, turn four Rhinos, turn five Rhinos. It wasn't close. Like, I run them over completely. It was It was insane. Uh, in, in that same match, my opponent also fire and ice two of my recent reefs. It wasn't close. It just wasn't. It was in incredible. Once once your, your Omnath plus recent reef engine gets going, uh, you can do stuff like blink your own Omnath in order to like draw more cards and in order to reset the Omnath triggers. So you can have more mana, right? So you would, you know, like play your Omnath, you, you get your, your triggers, you play your fetch line, you get your mana, uh, you maybe get a, a land off of Recent Reef. Then you can use the, that mana that you get from Omnath, you can uh, blink your Omnath, you can draw two more cards. If you find a land off of that, you get even more triggers, but now the triggers reset. So now you're going to get the life and the mana again, because the game ceases as, it's, as if it's a new creature. And you can really go off, like... Really, really good. Are you off. are you trying to tell me that Omnath is a good card? That's a pretty hot <laughs> no, no, take. I, I would there. never. <laughs> I, I would never do that. I would never do that. This is a sleeper, and I, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's. You don't it's, want people to get too hyped no. about it. That's crazy. But, uh, that's how that works. I didn't realize that that's what there, happened with Omnath. There's there's some like weird things going on with Omnath, and I'm not even sure if they're like supposed to work this way. There's another. There's like a really weird interaction. Um, as kind of an aside here. Um, and you guys are familiar with the uh, the Glimpse of Tomorrow deck, right? Um, the There's one that is built around Omnath. Um, it's actually got a lot of these elementals too, and, and they're trying to just, they have like Goblin, Dark Dwellers, they can try to like keep, keep doing it over and over again. Well, and I don't think this has changed, because I just recently watched this happen, but apparently the way Omnath is working in that deck... So, say you glimpse and you get, like, a ton of lands in play. You have all these triggers. Normally, once it gets to the third Omnath, the rest of them on the stack do nothing, right? Apparently, if you get it up to that third one, and then in between resolving more Omnath triggers, you kill that Omnath, all of them deal the damage. 
This is this is how this has been working on Magic Online, and I don't know if it is intentionally supposed to work this way or not, but you 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 get a fury in play with it basically, and then you kill your you stack it so that three triggers happen, and then you kill your Omnath, and it has something to do with like last known information or so. This is what the streamers I've been watching that have done it try to explain it, but. I mean, I've watched it with my own eyes. That's how Magic Online is handling it. But their opponent will be at 20. They'll get it up to there. They'll have like 10 triggers on the stack. The third one, they'll cut it off by having Fury kill Omnath. And then every trigger after that deals four damage. Like it's Valakut's happening or something. I could see it if you did it like... So you do the first two, right? You have mm -hmm. all the mana. And then if you have a bunch of lands enter at once, maybe it's like it sees that all triggering for the third ability because you did it for like after it's already triggered then it seems like they should all just do nothing so maybe they're like you know one two and then like they're all three or something well because the way it normally works i'm pretty sure it the way it's worded like you could have three lands all come in at the same time and it will go first ability second ability third ability i'm fairly sure huh. um but for some reason the way it works in this deck like I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a Magic Online bug or, or what, and I haven't been able to get a clear answer from a judge either. But as an interesting point, uh, that's another funky thing with Omnath. Yeah. So I am very skeptical of how Omnath works these days. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> just because you mentioned all that stuff with him, I'm fairly sure those are correct interactions. But there's also like a lot of weird stuff going on with Omnath and Magic Online, and I actually do not know how this card works. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I actually, I actually have no idea. Like that, that honestly seems to me like it should. It seems wrong, right? I know. It seems wrong because it says if it, if it's the third time, Omna feels for damage. You know, so it kind of feels like Vengevine. Yeah. You know, when when you cast your second creature, and, and they're saying it's some kind of how it's been explained to me is that it's some kind of like weird timestamp thing where like he died on the third one, so he sees it as like all of them were the third one, and there's no Omnath to check to see that it's more. It, it, it was very confusing how it was explained to me, but then I watched their opponent die, and it was like, oh well, <laughs> it it clearly worked. I don't know how it worked, but it did. Wow. To, yeah. to clarify, you're, you're saying that the like glimpse goes off, they get all these Omnath triggers, and they stack the triggers such that it goes Omnath, Omnath, Omnath. I, I can't remember if it's Fury. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Omnath, 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 Fury, or Omnath, 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 Fury. It's either two or three. Okay. But I just know you cut That's it off weird. at one point, and then every one of the triggers after just keeps doing that third option. Huh. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. I don't know. Um, but. That's yeah. uh, anyway. So Anyways, elementals. elementals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> elementals. Cool deck. I think it's it, it's starting to see more popularity. Um, it's it's breaking the disadvantage on these pitch spells. These pitch spells are really powerful cards. They're really strong right now. Too like solitude is solitude's a really strong card right now. With with how prevalent decks like hammer and Merktide are, you know, people are we're talking about. One of, one of my big complaints last week was how, like, the low-to-the-ground removal spells um, are good against all these low-early threats, but then they scale up poorly against the bigger things. Like, if it's Bolt or whatever, it's bad. it can be bad against Hammer Time because they become gigantic or bad against Merc Tide. Solitude kills everything, and you really don't care much about that downside. Um, so, getting to Endurance, super, super powerful card. We know this. Uh, Fury has actually proven to be... A pretty good card too. I you know I was playing it in Ponza for a while and I, I really liked it there. Um, so getting to play all these really powerful effects and mitigating that drawback, like that is that's pretty good. <laughs> 
Well, they also get to do the whole ephemerate thing. thing. Oh, yeah, for so sure. They get, they get to they get to draw cards, ephemerate, get the effect again, draw another card because Risen Reef is ETB triggers. Like, I I, I think this deck has really gotten the tools it needed um, to be a real thing. Like, people were playing around with elementals before before these pitch cards, and the fact that these just happen to be elementals too, it was like, oh well, now that now there's a deck. Yeah. yeah, it seems like this deck, like actually like Living End, has a real chance to actually beat some of the top decks like i actually think this deck it seems to me it, that it could be favored against at least against hammer yeah i i agree with that i agree with that because not only because your cards just line up game one but also your deck gets so insanely better games two and three and theirs just does not like you don't care about anything that they're doing like they if they don't kill you on turn two which you have outs to you have like multiple forces of vigor in the cyber. You have four solitudes. You have way to tutor all of those cards, and you just have random chump blockers. So, if they don't kill you on turn two through all of that stuff, then you just outgrind them extremely easily. Yeah, I mean it seems similar versus Merktide. Like I get that. I mean they can kill your stuff, so maybe it's a little bit different. Like if they can keep you off the reefs or something. But I feel like. You know, I, I was watching a little bit of Canister when he, he won that challenge, and there was a point where he had two Risen Reefs and an Omnath in play, right? And he was he didn't have any any cards in his hand. I, I don't know what had happened. It was like, or maybe they were to Lance. And he, he top decks an Ephemerate. And it was just like, oh my goodness. Like, each half of this is just an Ancestral. It was just blink Omnath, trigger both Reefs. And so it's like draw three, and then on the next turn it's going to draw an additional three, and any creature you happen to get in there is going to draw more. I mean, I, I think this deck is is real. That, that is that is the thing. It's just know that it, that ephemerate is an ancestral. Is that ephemerate is an ancestral, and every card that you draw off of that ancestral draws you two more cards. So that's like this feels like is this nobliest deck ever. Like because as long as you have recent reefs in play. You are a very, very heavy favorite because any card that you draw off the top has a very high chance of drawing you multiple cards. And Omnath makes a bunch of mana, so you get to cast all of the cards that you're drawing. And uh, it, it's, it's just like a never... It, it's, it's an insane engine. Like, it really is a ridiculously good engine. And one of the things that is absolutely hilarious is that it comes to a point where you really run into the potential problem of decking yourself because Recent Reef is not a May. But Endurance shuffles your graveyard back into, <laughs> into the deck. So that is not even a concern anymore. Uh, so the only real concern, and I've seen this happen multiple times, is you need to make sure that you are smart about how you spend your time. Because stacking triggers and stuff takes a lot of moto clock. So um, it, it is very, very important to make sure that you know what you're doing before you actually do it. Because... Um, a lot of time is going to be a lot of time you're going to be spent clicking through your triggers and organizing your triggers and figuring out that everything is resolving the correct way, uh, and uh, that can potentially lead to <laughs> to some wins with you know twenty seconds left in <laughs> in the clock or or whatever. So that is definitely something to to watch out for and to 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 be mindful of if you are planning on picking this deck up. But the deck is insanely fun. It is really, really powerful, and it just it just lines up very well. Like uh, both the both the, the Merktide deck and the and the Hammer deck, like they really struggle against this deck. 
when I played against Murktai, the only ways that I lost was when my opponent had Bloodman. Uh, which Bloodman is obviously... It's a little bit of a problem for a deck like this one. But even this version of the deck has, answer, has answers to Bloodman in the main deck. So... I don't know. Like I, I don't know how you, how you, how you attack this sort of deck. Um, what this deck does struggle against, though, which I will say is uh, stuff like uh, spell-based combo. So um, you know your Adnosiums, and I guess that's about it because that's the only spell-based combo that is left in the format. That's why they have like <laughs> so. the four force negations on the board, right? You're you're trying to give yourself yeah, some kind exactly. of game against that, um, some kind of interaction that matters. And, and again, this list in particular is just so smart that they, it's playing full four copies of the Fairy Time Raveler in the 75, three in the main and a fourth one in the sideboard. It's because, like, that's what you want to be doing. Like, that is how you want to, you know, against this spell-based combo decks, that is one of the best ways that you can interact with. Particularly against Adnosium, you know, we, they have all of this nonsense uh, suspend cards and you can get them. But even against other stuff like... Um, like Twiddlestorm or whatever, uh, the fairy does does a big a, a big big bit. just does a lot of heavy lifting in that kind of matchup. You know, limiting your opponent's interaction, messing with their with their stuff, allowing you to potentially you know do do stuff like prismatic ending and at start instant speed. Like those things do come up and they, they are important. Also, bouncing your own elementals in order to trigger them again happens a lot. <laughs> so that's always a line to be to be mindful of. You also, like, you have the turn two Teferis, because you have the Utopia Sprawl, and that's super big against a lot of those decks. And having um, having Teferi in Ephemerate decks is just so great, because you just know that they're not going to be able to, like, remove your thing in response. Um, you yeah. just know, like, you can just go for the, like, super value Ephemerates and not have to worry about it. Um, it was the same thing when I was playing that, like, the Bant version. To note with this is also, like, Endurance against Ad Nauseam is also really good like they they go to put that circle on the stack and you have a zero mana piece of interaction that you know if they have cards in their graveyard all of a sudden they don't just win and like usually they're gonna have some so like i that that's that's really relevant they actually have to because like they need to have the angels grace in the bin and the spoil so there's at least two cards that are going to be in their graveyard sure they can have like phyrexian and life and whatnot but then you have answers to the unlife anyway. have you guys been running into a lot of nauseum? no i actually have oh, okay i haven't seen the deck at not, all not this past week not this past week but the last two or three weeks i've been i've been running into nauseum okay fairly regularly i was gonna say we're talking about I mean, adnos i'm like i can't remember the last time i got paired against adnos <laughs> you said like twiddle storm too i was like what <laughs> like what do you play against like the one guy in the world playing that people are working on that with like the actual wish card and but um i don't know i i think one thing to note uh, and you kind of touched on this already evan but i really wanted to spell it out was the combination of the two incarnations of specifically Fury and Solitude is a huge deal. I, I think, and, and not even just specific to that deck of like the combination of the red-white removal right now is really strong. Like I, I was toying with my um, Jeskai like through the Reach Emrakul deck and that deck needs a lot of work, but I was really impressed with the combination of having Bolt and Prismatic ending. And then I also had just a couple copies of Path. And, you know, in in the case of elementals, you're just doing that much, much more efficiently 
or not necessarily more efficiently because you know if you're down a card you don't have your thing but um you, you do it for free right and it's always you know you, you it's not like oh sometimes prismatic ending is not going to get there and i need the path it's like oh so if i if i needed solitude it's just going to happen <laughs> and you can tutor those up as fran mentioned so it's I, I think that kind of intersection of being able to just deal with everything it's uh it's it's really something i i i'm not sure you know we haven't seen this deck out in like droves yet we'll see maybe people start playing wild sideboard cards like you know your torpor orbs or something but you were talking earlier about how um you're like you know aether vile decks are not like super strong right now imagine trying to play thalia in a world where furies are everywhere like oh i know that's <laughs> such a beating dude it's like it doesn't get taxed by thalia it one ping kills the thalia and like three other things two three other things probably die like yeah that's they're very very efficient i i think that was a that was a big sleeper card people people saw that red one and were like oh this is terrible i think it's actually one of the better ones um yeah, I think that funny enough, people were, you know, they were doing the whole order your your elemental incarnations during previous season. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, like, grief is number one, and then, like, solitude, and then subtlety, then, you know, like, fury and endurance. It turns out that after all of this time, it may be the exact opposite. Yeah. I mean, I still... Like, grief is garbage. It's still... I. Like it, it's good. Like obvi- obviously, it's it's a powerful card, but like, I have not seen a good shell for the card. Like Libanon is the best that I have seen, and it still is kind of sketch. They don't really have that many black cards. Like, how often are you griefing in, in the turns one or two, Spider? Like well, you, 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 you don't always want Libanon. to do it on turn one. So the thing with that deck, like if you're playing against like a counter spell or something, you just hold it. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to, like, go off this turn. Like, I, I had a game where it's like, I was able to, I, I griefed them on my turn and then went to their upkeep and went, uh, you know, the instant speed living end with force backup. Like, can you imagine trying to fight through that as a blue deck? Like, I think that they had, like, two two counters. And it was like, oh, whatever. Like, gotcha. Don't care. Um, so, I mean... It, it's really good in that deck. Yes, your your count is slightly slow or slightly low, but you just like draw one of those living ends and you're like, yeah, whatever, great, I have a use for it. So you, you have to do some weird sequencing or it's like you're going to prioritize cycling your like curator or your um, whatever the 5-5 five, five hexproof thing is instead of the, um, the, the blue-black split card because it pitches, right? So you have like weird stuff like that that happens or like I'm going to hold this street wraith when normally maybe I would just fire it off. Um, but it, it's still extremely good in that deck. And I actually, I mean, <laughs> mentioning elementals, I keep thinking about like, how do I get grief in there too, right? Like that's like the one elemental that I want to fit in that deck and I don't know how to do it. I assume that the uh, skeletal is not good enough and, you know, I don't know, I, I was like talking to Evan the other day and I was like, all right, all right, so we're going to build a Niv deck and then it's going to be pitch elementals because Niv pe- pitches to everything. <laughs> As if you ever want to pitch your Niv, dude. <laughs> I'm going to pitch my Niv all day long. I'm not trying to play Niv, I'm trying to pitch Niv. <laughs> that sounds like an awful idea, but I wish you the best of luck in your yeah, endeavors. No, dude. I'm not. I probably <laughs> Let me know how money goes. will uh, not, not end up playing it. But, the, I mean... 
I, I do think if there was a way to fit grief in that deck, and maybe there's not yet, but if you got more good black elementals, I don't know. But the, the thing is that even as is, why would you need grief? That is that that is kind of the thing. Like the mana is the worst part of the deck by a wide margin for obvious reasons. You're trying to accommodate all of these dudes. You also want to be playing Cavernous Souls, and um, like this deck is not even playing the full playset of Cavernous Souls, which is a sick land in the deck because it just solves so many issues for you. But like you just cannot, um, and you like you know Cavern just does not tap for Ren and Six or Teferi mana and you know stuff like that. So. It's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of an issue, and like as is just playing four colors, your mana is like so taxed in different directions because you want to play your um, you want to play your flame king harbinger on one, and then if you have uh, any two drop, which this deck doesn't have, but like, and that's that's why I do I do like the rents a lot. But I was running into a lot of issues when I flame king on one and I want to play voice on two or play um, the other guy. I forgot the name of the other guy. Um, yeah, Mariner. I said, oh, Mariner, like, how are you setting up your mana? <laughs> like, you have a red one, and then you want to play red, uh, green, white on turn two, and then, like, one green, blue on turn three. Uh, and then you also want to make sure that you can cast your Omniath on turn four, and then you need double red for Fury, double white for Solitude. Like, your mana is just stretched all of all of these different directions. And if you're if you're just planning to play one spell a turn, sure, that's fine. Like that's that's a lot more attainable. But you also have to be thinking about okay, what if I draw an ephemerate and I want to you know play prismatic ending and ephemerate on the same turn? Now you need double white, and then maybe you need double green earlier in the game to cast endurance. And like there, there's there's a lot of like different uh, pushing in different directions that that the mana does. So also I just don't. I just don't know why you would want grief to begin with. Maybe against combo. You'd want but... it. You just said that your hole is against combo, so like grief presumably would do a lot against that. But I mean, it's also worth noting that your mana is the way it is because you need to be playing fetches for your on math triggers, and you're also trying to play forest for your your sprawls. So you, you don't get to just do like the five color humans rainbow mana for your creature deck, like because I think you could probably do that and tilt it a little bit white for ephemerate and just call it a day but you need fetches and you and presumably that ramp is important so that is that is what i was doing and i was uh i, I was still finding trouble <laughs> i was still having trouble figuring that out uh but i was playing like covenant souls and the other one and claim territory in order to help with the man and those helped a lot those helped a lot for sure but then it put you in a situation where uh, you know, you couldn't really hard cast your forces of negation in these post cyber games, uh, which which was awkward a couple of times. So uh, it, it's interesting, and I, and I, that's why I like this kind of deck. It's just th there's just so many different directions to kind of go about it, and however you want to choose to go about it is going to have like ramifications in terms of what you're going to need in order to accommodate that and how you can make that new thing work. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I think the deck is really, really good. I think that uh, Canisters' win this past weekend was not really a fluke. I think that the deck is super, super legit. Um, even when I was playing that, you know, bad version of the deck, I was still like four one in leagues, like nobody's business. Um, and yeah, I mean, this 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 looks a lot better than the one that I was playing. Let me tell you that. <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I ask you a question then? So 
you know, they're all playing Kahira, and I get Kahira pumps your dudes, and it's like another pitch card for your white or green elementals if you need to pitch for those. But it doesn't seem to me that Kahira is absolutely necessary. Like, do you have thoughts on that of, like, you know, could you still just play those Birds of Paradise? Because it did seem like the deck could be a bit one-drop light. You know, you don't always want to, like, you know, solitude, ephemerate solitude on one or you know, that's also true of the other ones of like Fury. Um, and you're, you don't always want to even Harbinger on one. So it's really just like, I need to sprawl on one, but that's not a lot of like, I'm actively wanting to do this on one. Yeah. Um, that, that's a good question. I think that the having access to the extra card to pitch is a lot more relevant and useful than you may be giving it credit for. Um, and also what Kahira does is once you're winning, so one thing that happens is with Solitude, very often you give your opponent a lot of life. And uh, so that means that you're very often just trying to kill them from, you know, you stabilize the game, but you're trying to kill them from like 50 life. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I, I, I have been up to, uh, given my opponent up to 50 life, uh, particularly against Hammer. And Kahira allows you to allows you to uh, to not care that much because it, it makes it so you can play both offense and defense at the same time and um, it, it just speeds up the clock significantly particularly with fury uh, with with double strike so um i think it's worth it uh, in the leagues that i played i was the main use was to pitch it to solitude and it was very good at that i have to say <laughs> <laughs> i guess it was very very good you at that you could also do that with Yorion, but then you you start introducing other things to the deck. I mean, your creatures do like being blinked. Yeah, but your your creatures like being blinked at specific times, um, like particularly stuff like Fury or uh, I, guess, I guess that you you're, you're fine just blinking recent reef at any time. But like Solitude and Fury, you are a lot more into the whole ephemery thing, and I feel like this deck relies a little bit too much on recent reef mm. to want to be to want to be a Yorion deck. That's fair. You might be able to like do something about that. I don't know if it involves like uh tutoring for it more or something, like like Eladomri's call or something, but I don't know. I imagine you could do Yorion things. Um I you know what you know what this conversation has led me to? I'm like, okay, so if I'm gonna play Hammer I get to put one of my favorite cards back into Hammer's sideboard. Do you, you guys know what that card is? I bet you don't. Torporor. Takatli Honor Guard. <laughs> Which is Torporor on a creature. It's white and a one. It's a one three. And you just, you'd probably play the like Hushbringer instead because, you know, it's flying. That's great. But I wanted to say Takatli Honor Guard because you, you just put a hammer on a Takatli. I'm not getting solituded. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Uh, I mean, isn't Hushbringer also stop the Yawgmoth stuff, though? Yeah, yeah, you would definitely play Hushbringer instead <laughs> in that deck. Oh, so you can't even play one of your favorite cards? I mean, Sorry, I, I liked that one more because I would play it in decks, you know, you'd bring it in against humans and, like, Dredge and stuff like that, and so they would have relevant two-power things you wanted to block with it, whereas in Hammer, it being f a flyer is extremely relevant. Because you're just like, all right, it's flying, it's lifelink, you know, go to combat, put a hammer on after you can't block, like, you're dead. That hammer card is pretty messed up, huh? It's pretty, pretty good. 
Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we wanted to to discuss today. Uh, also, is that that hammer thing is indeed pretty messed up, and uh, it continues to dominate. And I feel like everybody knows that Hammer is the best deck in the format. I don't think anybody argues that Hammer is the best deck in the format. Yet, doesn't matter whatsoever. We see it, the Mana Traders event took place this past weekend. Didn't even matter. Three Hammers in the top eight, um, including the eventual winner, Will Kruger. Um, we also have in the... Not, uh, surprisingly, not in the uh, Sunday challenge. No, this is the Saturday. This is the one that you top eight, Spider. I was keeping him out of there with living in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's another five color elementals in that in that top eight too. So maybe that's what was what was keeping the hammers in uh, at bay. But um, yeah, in in the other top eight also two hammers. Yeah, two hammers in the in the other top eight. Uh, in the super qualifier, another hammer in in first place. Like, this deck is just... It's unstoppable, man. What, what what can we do? So... What the hell can we do to stop all of these hammers? It's 2020. Corset 2020 is coming out. Colossal Colossus Hammer gets spoiled. Would you think this would be the most dominating deck in this format? Like... This was such a meme originally, right? It was like it was a it was a what's it called? Uh, the it was a saffron olive deck, yeah. And like it was like oh that's kind of cute with like the magnetic thing and all that. Or I forget how that initial one was. It's wild how this deck has evolved to the point where it's at right now. Like it it has gone through a lot of iterations. It went from being like total meme to like well the thing it's doing is pretty powerful to like. This deck is absurd, dude. It's like I I just played against it um last night. I was I had like this ridiculous match against it where they like they played a bunch of cards on turn 1 whatever. Um they 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 did like a lot of like mana setup on turn 1. Uh and then turn 2 they had I think it was like the pure steel and it gets to their turn 3 and they're like all right. They had like an ornithopter like hammer and I had a blocker and I was like Psh, whatever. And they were like, hammer. And I was like, okay. Then they went, hammer. <laughs> I was like, well, that's three hammers. <laughs> so then they like throw them all in the ornithopter. I'm like, all right, at least I can chump this 30-30. And then we can like figure out a game plan from here. And then they had Paradise Mantle, tap the pure steel, shadow spear, attach it, attack you. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> like It was an ornithopter, three hammers, and a shadow spear, turn three attack. It was like 31 power, lifelink trample, um, and every one of those cards drew a card uh, on top of that. <laughs> uh, this thing's stupid, man. Like, it, the its nut draws are insane. And then it's like, not nut draws, but just like normal draws that can play this like longer game plan that don't just kill you on turn two or three because it can kill you straight up on turn two. Uh, that don't kill you on turn two or three are actually really impressive too. It's got this like depending on the version, some have like Esper Sentinel or whatever that card can grind pretty well. The Urza Sagas obviously grind like super well. This deck's just like it's got early game, it's got late game, it kills you out of nowhere. So it's got, there, there's different phases of the game with Hammer, right? So there's that initial phase where they're just like trying to quickly combo kill you. Phase two, if you get past that, is the Urza Saga phase of the game. If you get past the Urza Saga phase of the game, there's the Luris phase mm -hmm. of the game. Lurus and then down. if you kill Luris, there's this weird fourth phase that they've like accumulated some resources while you've been dealing with those things 
And like I, I watched, actually, it was one of your matches. You had like a crazy match against them with Blue Raid Merktide, where you were mm-hmm. playing Dressdown, which, by the way, really good card against them. Um, and they were just they were hard equipping hammers. And yep. I was like, oh my god! Like they they were like Ornithopter hard equip hammer, and I was like, oh, he's gonna die to that. <laughs> we we I remember we just barely won that match, but it was close. It got to the point where yeah, every single turn of the game, they were like. Um, uh, they had like three threats or whatever. They they ha- or I think they had like two Ink Moth, an Ornithopter, and a uh, a Stoneforge Mystic. And it was you know they would just spend their whole turn just equipping a hammer on it, and I had to have the answer every single time, or else that equip threat was going to kill me. Unfortunately, I was able to answer, answer, kill them, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's wild. Like and, and what's interesting, you know, you mentioned like phase three being like the Lurus phase. It is another Lurus deck. One of the, one of the topics I know we're going to discuss at some point is here is Lurus. Um, but, um, this is like the Lurus deck that is incredibly good with Lurus that in my experience almost never needs the freaking Lurus. Like it, it feels like it so rarely comes down to Lurus in these matchups. Whereas like a lot of the other Lurus decks, I feel like their game plan is like setting up, getting the Luris, making sure you're playing the Luris at the right time to get the right value, turn the corner, game's over. Like, this deck, they just keep pounding without needing the Luris, and then, like, occasionally it'll be like, all right, I'll grab my Luris and play Luris and kill you. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's just been my experience, but it just it, it feels like the like the best deck, one of the best decks to have Luris that just so rarely actually even needs the Luris, if that makes sense. No, it does, and I... I that's part of the reason why I've been wondering, like, do you even need Luris? But it is kind of just a free roll, largely. The only thing would be, like, you're playing Stoneforge, you could play Batterskull, right? Or you could play Cauldra. And that's, that's like, I think one of the one of the considerations if you didn't play Luris. Other than that, I don't think there's anything else you'd want to play, right? I mean, there's, like, artifact-centric stuff, like Thought Monitor, that you could go that direction with if you weren't on it. That's been a that's actually been a tech that I've seen some other people do, just playing the Caldra in the sideboard. So like you get paired against Amulet, turn to Stoneforge. Oh, because you're just go. not going to need Luris <laughs> in that matchup. Yeah, you just you don't need Luris there. Like you just race them with a freaking Caldra, and like you don't need anything else. That's interesting. You you don't need to you don't need to set up your your cigar to say you don't need Pierce Palin. Just like your Stoneforge just wins. So that I, I saw that I saw that technology and I'm like, huh, that's some that's some next level stuff right there because I mean I don't know how often it does it really comes up, but the interaction needed to interact with Kaldra is a lot different than the interaction needed to interact with, you know, Hammer and Cigar the Sade and whatnot. I guess the big thing there is that it they can't shatter it, right? Like they can't just like EE Calder's gone. They can still prismatic it, because prismatic just gets everything but that that does probably help some yeah i mean and prismatic is sorcery speed right so like you're the the whole point i i think i think the whole reason why this deck is good is because it works in such a way that it asks you very very specific questions in a very short period of time like you need to have the force of vigor and i i have had like you know, my deck list, every single deck that I play right now is packing multiple chalices and it's packing multiple Force of Vigors in the sideboard and multiple engineered explosives. Um, I played a match yesterday where I went turn two chalice against Hammer on the play. 
I lost, I think, like, three or four turns later because my opponent just had a draw that had, you know, they just put the hammer into play through the saga, equipped it through with the pure state padding, and I'm just sitting there looking at my chalice like, do something, come on, <laughs> like, help me out over here. Um, and I just I just lost miserably to that. And and it just didn't matter that I drew, uh, I drew a prismatic ending a couple of turns later because... That's it. Like the damage was already done. Like the pure, I killing the Percy Pine at that point doesn't really do anything because now you also have to kill the freaking Ornithopter. That's worrying a, a hammer and it's a tent and it's gonna kill you in the next turn. Um, so, it. I think that is what makes this deck so freaking strong is the fact that the window that you have in order to interact with it um, is very very small and the interaction that you need to have is very specific. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it's fair to say that the best pieces of interaction against the deck are um, probably Force of Vigor slash Wear Tear. Yeah. Is, is, is that you guys' experience as well? Yeah, those are some of the best. I mean, I think Force of Vigor is so good because it's it's free, right? Like, all their spells cost so little mana. So it's it's very hard to like keep up if you're just trying to do regular interaction stuff. Um, I think EE is a really really good one. You know, like Alpine Moon is okay, right? Like your your dress down, like I I that looked really good. I, I know there was a turn where you were able to like, I think you had an opponent who had like put in their second construct and then they like went to play a uh, pure steel paladin and you were just like cool. Here's the dress down, kill the the tokens, you can't equip, go to my turn, bolt the thing. Um, so I, I, there are some other really good ones as well, but, you know, like, dress down's a little bit... I mean, I guess Force of Vigor's really restrictive. I was going to say dress down's a little restrictive, but Force of Vigor, you know, got to have a lot of green cards. Yeah, you need to have your green cards, and you also need for them to... Like, sometimes you you will just need to time walk yourself because you can only you can only do it on their turn right like it you're i you can't make an attack or something that would be lethal or whatever because their dude is equipped with hammer but you don't have the mana to cast the force so you need to you know just pass the turn doing nothing and just force them on their upkeep or whatnot and then just puts you in a, in a spot where it's you're not you're not in a good place and one thing that i have actually been finding out is you cannot trade one for one with this deck it just feels like trading war for one is always a losing proposition. Um, I don't know. I don't know, like the, the Nasif deck, for example, like the, the Nasif control deck, which wants to to, to which basically the, the the deck was built on that premise, right? Like just trading one for one a bunch. So I don't know how that how that deck kind of fights this. I saw a bunch of um, which I think is actually pretty interesting, like. Sumer Junt's, I guess, like Junt is actually finding some success right now, and it's because they finally stopped playing, you know, Bloodbird Elves and Lilianas, and they started figuring out, oh, this, this Lurus guy is pretty messed up, so they started playing Lurus instead, and now, whoop, surprise, they're winning, um, so, like, those kind of decks that really want to uh, trade one for one all the time, my experience is that that just not, it just doesn't work, like, that kind of stuff just does not work, and I, I feel like I'm falling further and further behind whenever whenever I do that kind of stuff. And even Force of Vigor, like, it gives you some tempo advantage, but it doesn't really give you card advantage unless you're hard casting it. 
So that's another thing. Like the other day, I I lost after my opponent went turn one. Um, Saga Sigardas, uh, Saga into Springleaf Run into like Memnite, whatever Sigardas said. And I upkeep, blow up their Saga under Sigardas said, and I lost like, you know, three or four turns later anyway. Um, so like trading, like you need to figure out a way to make sure that you're actually ending up ahead on the exchanges, which is what I have been struggling the most. And what I feel like everybody struggles with the most. So, uh, w what are some cards that you guys have been have been trying out that have been uh, successful for you? Oh, I've been making more of those like deck choices, right? So, like, I I chose Living End because it's supposed to beat Hammer. Like that that was why I picked the deck. Like, it's not that you know I, I don't think your Murktide matchup is necessarily like a home run, but you can definitely still beat them. But you know against hammer it was just like hopefully you know i pretty consistently just do my thing on turn three maybe even sooner if i'm you know have my gemstone cavern kind of thing and you also have those force of vigors and all that in the sideboard like even just like evoking your uh foundation breaker and then like sweeping their board and then foundation breaker comes back and like blows up their aid or their hammer or whatever is like yeah so i i've just been making more of the like deck choice i think evan is is on the like card choice aspect here with your ees and your dress downs and i don't what is was there anything else that's been where i found the most success we 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 have talked about like so so since i've started playing monkey it's like seriously like it is it is my focus entirely it feels like it's on another level none of the other decks i've tried have felt remotely good so now this has my focus um we have we've talked about i haven't put it into like testing it at all um the idea of splashing a little bit of white for cards like Path to Exile and Wear Tear specifically, because those have been cards that I found the most success with. I do think the dress down's been interesting. Um, it's not perfect. There's a lot of board states that it just does not beat in that deck, or it looks embarrassing, quite frankly. Uh, and then there's other board states where it shines, where it's, where it's you know, the best card you could have. Um I'm just I'm finding it, it it is a difficult strategy to attack. Um, tried a lot of different things, you know. Uh, before we actually started recording, we were we were kind of briefly talking about this, and I mentioned cards like Sony Silence and all these cards that you feel like would be good and just they just aren't. They they just don't do the thing you need them to do um, because they just have all these like weird ways to get around, you know the the hate that these cards are providing kataki's been okay i've been trying kataki it, it really feels like it's all white cards <laughs> uh it, it, for me it's, it's been a lot of white cards and, and they've been strong enough that i've considered splashing these colors in the deck in decks that are not white just to have a fighting chance against these decks i have been seeing an interesting one pop up in murktide list with um, a, a pretty old school one with hercules um and that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it, it obviously kills the constructs. Uh, decent against, you know, if they're suiting up things like Ornithopters, it gets rid of the Manlands. Those are all artifacts as well. Um, it's a little bit iffy with, like, Sigarda's aid and the fact that they can just instant speed, put hammers back into play. So it depends on, like, what they're on. But um, that's kind of an interesting one that I haven't tried out myself that I wanted to maybe give a spin, you know. There was something... I was thinking about, and, and you mentioned this a little bit for Blue Red Murktide, was just trying to squeeze in some amount of gut shots where you're like trying to kill some of those, you know, like if they put a hammer on a Memnite or even if it's just like to remove that turn one Esper Sentinel. Um, it's one of the few like ways where you can, 
you know, because it's free, it's another way of just being proactive and, and, and being more efficient because it's free, right? So I, I think, you know, like, I think Blue Red Prowess was actually favored against them before Urza Saga came out. And part of that was just because they were able to put a fast clock on you while still disrupting you, right? Because you just like, oh, here's my Lavadar, here's my Gutshot, here's my whatever. So I do wonder if there's an avenue to sort of attack them like that, where you're still, I don't know, like maybe Blue Red Prowess is still a deck and they just need to be running stuff like Vapor Snag and Gutshots. I'm not sure. One thing that I wanted to point out is there's been a deck that actually has been showing up a bunch. And that is Grixis Lurus. And one very, very cool tech that I'm seeing, I'm looking at TSP Yendrek's list. Shout out to, to Yendrek. I'm a great control player, but when Yendrek is not playing control, that is probably even more than, you know, Nassif not playing control. That, that, that should tell you that control is just not, it's just not good. Um, and one thing that he is do, he's using is double seal of removal in the main deck which I think is sick. Yeah, um, we were actually, <laughs> that was a card we were considering, and, and I am still considering playing in non-Lurus Merktide, th this blue-red Merktide, um, as being, uh, it, it came up in discussion originally where we were like, well, if Bobble gets banned, does this deck survive? And if it survives, what are the things we play over that, right? Because we still care about Delirium and whatever. So that was a card that we kind of brought up in discussion of being like, Seal of Removal, really good against Opposing Merktides, good, you know, decent against Construct Tokens. Is this a card that, you know, we've seen Seal of Removal, we've seen Seal of Fire, both be things in Lurus builds. Are these actually just okay for us to play when we're not playing Lurus decks because now they're in enchantment for for delirium they trigger drc and whatnot they they seem like they might be meaningful um I, I, they actually might be like it, i haven't I, again it's another piece I, that we kind of have like written down to try but haven't actually tried yet um i love it in the Lurus decks though i i recently got paired against a Lurus deck and it, i think it was that list and they were like seal of removaling every turn picking up their own snapcaster mage um, and they Ooh. locked me out by, I hadn't thought they that. locked me out by like <laughs> Luris getting back seal, doing something with snap, like snap inquisition. If I don't do something or snap, uh, drown, if I do do something and then just picking it back up every turn, it was like, Oh my God. So like, that's the height of that card. I, I think in those Luris decks, it, like that card's so good. Um, but it, there might even be like, maybe you played that card in non Luris decks. I don't know if it's terrible, but it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it does a little bit of, of what we're talking about in terms of, like, the card is obviously not free, right? Uh, like, you do have to spend the mana, but you spend that mana whenever you want, like, whenever you have it laying around, and then it's free, exactly. So it really allows you to use, actually, multiple layers of interaction on the key turn. So I would imagine this this card also being sick against, you know, like decks like Infect or whatever, which I like setting up, setting up, setting up, setting up, and like go with like five layers of protection or something ridiculous. Uh, probably not, maybe like one or two, but um, so Seal of Removal kind of has that similar effect where it is not free, but it kind of is in the turn where it actually matters for it to be free. So if you pair that seal of removal with, you know, some other forms of interaction, you may find yourself in a spot where uh, you're actually getting getting to blow them out a little bit. And and unless they have the pure steel palindrome, just like 
usually bouncing any and ornithopters wearing a hammer that got you know got suited up by a cigada say it um it, it just doesn't matter when it comes back again because your opponent is going to need another hammer in order for that to do anything at all so uh the stealer removal i i was actually seeing it in, in a couple of lists and it seems absolutely stellar yeah i think it's really really nice in that day i mean not just bouncing your snapcast and removing your your token it also just serves to protect Luris. Right? Like, if I play Seal Removal and then I play Luris, it's like, what are you going to do? Try to kill Luris? I'm going to just bounce Luris. Right? And I'm already also going to maybe get that bobble back or something. Um, so it's it, it, it makes it really hard to interact with the Luris as well. as It makes a ton of sense in those decks. It's just, it's honestly, like, kind of gross. Because it, it has that, like, recurability thing. Um, I mean, I, I think because Hammer doesn't play that much removal your Luris is likely to live. So if you're living, then, you know, you're probably just going to get him with it. I, I, there, there's maybe a similar aspect to like Emery or something, right? Like if I, if I manage to not just die, and I'm playing Emery and I just like Emery get back EE every turn. Like, I don't, I don't think Hammer's going to beat that. There are, I feel like there are certain engines that can actually overpower uh, the, the Hammer nonsense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, that, that is just a car that I, I feel like it's starting to pop up and it, it doesn't surprise me that we don't really see the red black uh, decks anymore as much and what we see instead are these uh, this Grixis lists which are playing uh, obviously you know seal of removal and then express federation because that card is busted but the other removal spell of choice is drowning the lock which unlike you know lightning bolt or whatever uh, whether the creature is wearing a hammer or not you don't really care. It just gets surrounded in the lock just the same. So um, it, it makes sense to me that the the, the, the Lurus decks that are seeing success right now are actually Grixis colors as opposed to straight up black red or... Although I guess that we are seeing some Johns. Anyway. I was going to say, there's a lot of Lurus decks. Uh, while these ones are doing well, I would say Lurus is rampant right now um i mean we were we were talking about this a little bit again before we were live I, my average league it's like three plus matches against luris decks like i i expect to see luris revealed at the beginning of the majority of my matches like it is an insane amount of luris out there right now and and you know a lot of that has to do with the fact well hammer's really popular and that's a luris deck or whatever but it's like it's not just hammer like there's hammer there's Mill, there's this Grixis deck, there's Jund. There's just like, there's just a million Luris decks. There, there's so, so many Luris decks. Yeah, and also it feels like some new spawn every single day. Like Spike was playing a blue-black Luris control deck, just not playing Cryptic Command because the card is unplayable, but, you know, like playing other control cards instead, you know, like Into the Story or, or Archmage's Charm. So um, it's honestly kind of obnoxious how... <laughs> Like, you you are getting paired, and you know that you're playing against the Lurus decks, but you still have no idea what you're getting paired against. Like, you could be playing against Mill, or you could be playing against, like, Blue-Black Control, or you could be playing against Burn. It's, it's, yeah, and it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I look at my opening hand, and it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, is this hand can grind? Sure, okay, keep it, and then your opponent goes turn one Lava Spike, and you're just like, well... That was cool. <laughs> it's really tough. I mean, I had that experience pre-MH2, where I think it was slightly less prevalent, but, you know, you'd see Luris, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be, like, Hammer or some, like, you know, 
burn or like an aggressive deck. I would see Luris and go, oh, it's aggressive deck. Mold interaction. And then it would be like this spike bring to light control deck, right? Where they're just like, oh, also I get to like play Tibble and, you know, get back those bobbles. It's, it's just, it's so hard and it's so prevalent. You need such a good reason to not be playing Luris. Like obviously Murktide is a pretty good reason. And if you're playing like, I don't know, if you're playing an Asmo deck, you, you're just not going to get around needing your Urzas and your um, Oval Chase Daredevils, right? So there there are some exceptions, like if you're playing Living End, obviously you're, you're not going to do it. Um, but anytime you build any deck, it's like, could I build this to be a Lurus deck? Hmm. Yeah, and, and you're going to get paid off handsomely if you can manage to, <laughs> to answer that question, because the, the card is obviously ridiculous. That sounds like a problem to me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we were talking about, you know, we talked about this a couple, uh, for, for a couple of minutes last last week about, you know, potential of unbannings and, and stuff like that. Um, how are you guys feeling in, in about the potential of bannings instead of unbannings? Well, I was talking about, like, Bobble being, you know, just kind of on track with all the free stuff and things that I've seen bans in the past. Um, and I, I think generally, I, you know, I think unbans are, are cool and all that, and really only ban things if they have to get banned. I think Spider used a really good word for what this is, though. Like, it is just obnoxious. Like, they, they, this is this is getting, like, pretty annoying playing against all these Luris decks. It's feeling pretty repetitive. There's, there's just so many of them. Um, and I think my tune has maybe changed a little bit that maybe Bobble wouldn't change and like Luris would still be good without Bobble I think and banning a Bobble might not actually do all that much but like getting rid of Luris would actually shake up the format quite a bit um like a lot a lot actually <laughs> I know I don't know if I agree with that like you know we just talked about how Hammer can be great without Luris and the other best deck is is Blue Red Murktide and then the next best decks are Cascade so it's like one of those decks is a Luris deck that is so good it doesn't need Luris. So I think Luris is a maybe a, a real ban and and has that same issue that like the reason they banned Pod, right? Where it was like, this always gets better. This is just every non-land permanent that's two or less makes Luris better. I, I know Spike jokes about this, right? I remember he was going through previews and he was just like, you know, basically any card that costs two or less, you'd be like, ooh, this combo's with Luris. <laughs> Well, Seal Removal was was a big pickup right, for right, right, and some of those are obviously more real than others. But I, I don't know that that logic really holds very strongly for Luris because they're not going to stop printing cards like permanents that cost zero to two. Like it's just, I mean, non lands, I guess, but still. No, and what I really dislike is how how bad the companion mechanic was a miss because it's lures and nothing else yes every now and then like kahira i seen played now when was the, the last time that you played against the yori on there here and there oh I, i've been seeing obosh too a little bit like the obosh red decks like that's one deck you know yeah but what i'm saying is like you play a league or you play a tournament for that matter uh, and you like half of your matches, maybe more, are gonna be against Lurus yeah, decks for sure. That that's way too many. It it is not only way too many, but you see a Yorion deck once every four leagues. Is that that's probably like a fair a fair assessment? And you see like a a 
Giganta deck once every like 50 matches or whatever. I don't know. Like those cards, those kind of cards that you just don't see anymore. So even though they tried to balance the 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 companion mechanic by adding the three the the three extra to pay, obviously it wasn't enough to stop Lurus, but it made all of the other companions that you maybe sometimes saw like Umori or like stuff like that those companions and you know you could make a brew happen and maybe it was cool and you could have some synergies going or whatever well that went that went completely out the window whenever they added the the the, the extra cost because like those cards were like cute but but kind of barely playable and now they're just unplayable like the, the, the adding the three costs just makes the cards completely obsolete while Lurus is kind of like Eh, I'm still busted. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you get to you get to add those companions to your hand to pitch. You know, I'm adding Kahira and Sol and uh, and Yoran to my hand to pitch to Solitude, right? Like, what what else are you doing with it? it may, may, like, I used to violin the Yorian. That, that's that that ship has sailed. No, but it is. I, I feel like it is. I don't know. I feel like it is something that will need to be addressed eventually, because it's. I I don't know. There's something about. It's just so awkward that every time that, you know, you, you hit yes in the model thing and you're waiting, you're like, yeah, okay. Just reveal the lures already. Yeah, and and it's been meta... So, like, since lures has come out, Modern has gone through, like, a lot of iterations. Like, it has changed dramatically, right? But, like, pretty much since Lurus came out, he has always been a... Like, there was not a lull so much in Lurus decks at any point. Like, they, they have been... They have been there since the card has entered the format. And and it doesn't feel like that's going to go away. Like, there's nothing that's just going to hate Lurus out, you know? Um, there's nothing that's just going to get people to stop playing Lurus decks. Um, and it, it, I don't know. It, it just kind of, it, it's getting to the point where it, it's feeling like there's too many of them. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't want I to, I, I don't like calling for bans, but it, it just, it's a lot. One thing to note. You know, they already did a companion errata. Um, I don't really, I'm not that big of a fan of like further errataing it. They're like, all right, all right, now, you know, now it needs to cost four, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that's really the direction I would want to see them go because, you know, what happens when it costs four and then everyone's still doing it? Um, maybe but, five. You know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you just need to just scrap the mechanic. Like, because people, you know, I doubt people are going to play that many Lurises or Yorions or whatever in their main decks, but like maybe, maybe I want to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there there have been decks that people people have played Luris main deck. Like I've seen I've seen Luris's main deck before, and and they've been fine. Um, so you mean just doing like a blanket like companions not a thing in modern? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I would just keep it in modern. Like <laughs> companions, just, just not a thing in just magic. Not a just, thing, just gone. Yeah. Like, you, you talk about the storm scale, like, companions way worse than storm. Like, get out of here. It's the companion scale. Yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's the other thing that I was going to say. Like, is, is, a, is an option to just actually print new companions that are, like, a little bit more balanced, like, playable, but not Lurus broken? Remember, that was a thing. Was the, that was the whole idea. Was that, like, hey, like, companions are going to potentially be a thing going forward, and we're potentially going to make more because you know everyone said because of the the hype of commander and all that and it's like bringing that excitement of commander into into other formats like please don't print any more of these like i don't care how bad you make them like don't do more of this
Yeah, I, I, it feels, and it also feels like if they did that, people would just completely ignore those and they will continue playing Lurus anyways. <laughs> just like that never, ever happened. It, it feels like the way the, the way that it is set up right now with this, like, three-man attacks, it's like, it's either going to be busted or unplayable, and there's just, like, not going to be an in-between. <laughs> like, it, it's it's either going to be Lurus or it's going to be Umori, <laughs> like... Well, I mean, like, Yorion and Gigantha, and I guess apparently now Kahira are all, like, fine, right? Like, I don't think any of those, at least in modern, are busted. They're all fine. Um, I mean, actually, in, in Pioneer, it's like, that's the Yorion format, right? So, I mean, like, it kind of depends where you're doing these things. Um, and I and for what it's worth, I actually have really enjoyed having to ask myself that question. Like I'm building tax, I'm like, ooh, could I could I make this a Yorion deck? Or and and you better believe I've tried to make you know Luris taxes decks. Um, but at a certain point, like as interesting as those deck building considerations are, getting real sick of just like oh, revealed Luris. Yeah, I I feel like that is the problem. It's just the fact that I feel like if more companions were at the same power level, it wouldn't be as bad. But it's just, I, I don't know, like my opponent reveals Lurus and I feel like I'm behind already. That's because you, you are. are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've made the mistake of not submitting a Lurus. But that's exactly what I'm saying. But it's always, like, it's always Lurus. I, I don't really have that feeling whenever my opponent reveals Yorion or whenever they reveal Kahira. Like... It's just specifically Lurus when I'm just like, yeah, this is... It, it, I feel like the it's just way too busted for how little the cost is, in, in, in a way, while the other ones have a cost that it's a little bit more akin to, to how busted they are, right? If, if, that, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, all of that to say, I am, I'm ready for Lurus to, to go. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just frustrated, man. It's just, it's just way too many, way too often, and it's just way too good. So that's, that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> um, I agree. Anyway, so I think that we covered most of the stuff that we want to talk about. Anything else that you guys think that you, that you wanted to bring up? Anything that you've been trying this this week? Anything that you're excited about the showcase this coming weekend? I'm just having fun again, man. I'm I'm happy to be having fun in modern again. <laughs> I I it might only be with like really one deck, but uh, you know, there's a it's a deck that I don't think is solved yet. Mer obviously talking about Merc Tide. If you look at the list they're doing well, there's like tons of variations across it. There's there's a bunch of different a bunch of different builds of it. Some have monkeys, some don't have monkeys, some have Archmage's Charm, some like there's all kinds of different suites people are playing. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm just glad that the format I have loved, you know, for so long is enjoyable for me again, at least for the uh for the moment. Are you going to be playing in the in the showcase this weekend? Uh possibly. Possibly. Um, if I am, this is what I'm playing, though. I, I'm definitely playing one of these Murtide builds. How about you, Spider? Oh, I'm gonna play the the showcase. I, I'm like, I'm definitely like, if it's on the calendar and I can be there, I'm gonna be there. I don't know what I'm gonna play. I'm probably gonna like end up breaking down and playing Hammer, but I want to believe there's a chance it's something else. All right. <laughs> do you have any other front runners? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I want to do Living End again. Uh, the that deck's feels bads are, are <laughs> they're big feels bads, you know? 
Uh, I don't know if I can swallow that, but um, maybe maybe elementals, maybe elementals could be the real deal. I haven't really toyed with it yet. I was like a little sick of ephemerating things. Uh, maybe I need to to look into that. If I do play hammer, probably gonna go and uh, do some some good old spider tweaking of the deck and like, all right, all right, you gotta I'm gonna play this little bit of mirror breaking tech and this little bit of hammer or uh, murktide breaking tech and your hushbringers. Yeah, honestly though, honestly, I probably will put those in the sideboard. I'm not gonna get elementaled if I'm playing hammer. <laughs> People have already been playing my Ricky Gusaris, just so you know. <laughs> I, I know. I, I don't actually know if that one is. Uh, is good enough because you like fetch it and then your opponents like kill you yeah i don't i don't buy that one i'm just saying that i've seen it in people's sideboards which i thought was kind of hilarious but at the same time like that's some old legacy tech man i i used to there was an event a a uh i think it was a, a ptq and i think i got like ninth in it and i was expecting lots of hammers i was like manriki in the board like, i i know you don't have to tell me <laughs> For me, Amulet is kind of unplayable right now, even though there is a there was a, a player that actually top aided the Sunday challenge, I think, or the Saturday one. Saturday. The Saturday challenge, yeah. And they were playing Karn, which I think is very, very smart. We talked about this in Titan Talk. I think that if you want to play Amulet, you probably should be playing Karn. It just fixes a lot of the deck's problems. I think that the deck has way too many problems right now, so I don't know if it fixes them all. So what I've been doing is I've been playing Naya Lands, so I'm thinking that I'm going to be playing Nihilands uh, in the in the weekend event. Uh, I've been liking playing Chalices in the main deck. So that has been my my tech. My blue red Murktide opponent did not appreciate it today, and so that was that was pretty fun. I got a nice little bit of nice little bit of salt <laughs> on on the stream. My I go turn one Chalice. You're like, wait, main deck? What? What man? Give me a break. I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you. Card's pretty good. Uh, so I feel like having a good, having a good deck that can play Chalice in the main deck is is a good idea, or that at least can play Chalice effectively in the sideboard very uh, very well. So I I am kind of torn between just playing Naya Lance, which is what I've been working on, and just trying to figure out how to beat those stupid <laughs> those stupid hammers. Uh, even though I'm playing a bunch of. I, I think I'm just... I tried... Dude, I'm going really deep, and I don't know if, if, if it's getting bad. I played Justice Strike yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Justice Strike, because I wanted a removal spell that killed uh, that killed um, Murktide, but it also got around Chalice. Uh, spoiler, it was awful. Don't play Justice Strike. I got paired against Hammer. I had two Justice Strikes in hand, and my opponent has a hand of... Giver of Runes, Ornithopter, and uh, there was there was another thing that I couldn't kill. Um, okay, w whatever, but like it's not good. Don't oh Stoneforge Mystic, that's what it was. Um, it's not good. Don don't play Justice Strike. Uh, I'm I'm playing paths and just hoping that I don't draw the path when I have a Chalice in hand and vice versa. So that's been my plan. Um, but. It's not great. It's not great in, in, in that sense. I'm still trying to find for that one card. If you know of something that can kill a big dude and can get around Chalice, please message me uh, because I'm still waiting for feedback because uh, I can't figure it out. I, I will tell you, I, I, I tried Deflecting Palm and I got a number of ties versus Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other good one is uh, if you're a creature deck, 
it doesn't get around chalice but uh magnetic theft that one, that one is nice you steal their hammer you put it on <laughs> your thing it's 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 funny wow um those are some hilarious options i was not expecting that and now i'm a little bit less sad that i heard about them uh <laughs> but still uh that's gonna that's gonna be it for us uh, today folks thank you so much for listening uh evan where can we find you uh you can find me on uh twitch under everos or youtube also everos and then uh on twitter is everos ttv spider shoot us yeah uh, it is Spiderspace on Twitch and Spiderspace MTG on Twitter. And for me, you can find me on uh, Twitch at uh, F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z, that is F-Publush, and on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitter at F-Publush MTG. This has been another episode of Mistress Bubble, actually episode 11, if you're counting. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll, we'll be back next week with some more babbling. Bye!